Hey friends, I'm Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from IBCD, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, we're bringing you a recent broadcast of Hope and Help Live, a periodic segment of the show that features live recorded interviews previously streamed on Facebook. Joining us to chat about one another care are pastors and biblical counselors Scott Mail and Josh Stevens. For more help on the topics we discussed today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help, where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guests. Pastor Scott has his demon from Southern Seminary and Pastors Cornerstone Church of West LA. His ministry focuses include preaching, teaching, counseling, and churchwide vision. He's a regular writer and speaker on topics related to practical theology. He's also a certified counselor with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors and an adjunct faculty member at Eternity Bible College. Scott lives in Culver City, California with his wife and four children. Pastor Josh serves as pastor of discipleship and outreach at Palmetto Baptist Church in South Carolina. He also serves as the executive director of the Biblical Counseling Alliance. He graduated with a master's in biblical counseling and a master of divinity from Central Baptist Theological Seminary, as well as a doctor of ministries in biblical counseling from Southern Seminary. Josh is certified as a biblical counselor through the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. I want to welcome everyone to tonight's broadcast of Hope and Help Live for One Another Care. We are here with Pastors Scott Mail and Pastors Josh Stevens. I would like to have them take a few minutes just to introduce themselves on a professional level so that you, if you are not familiar with their ministries, you can start to become familiar because they have excellent resources to offer on the topic that we are discussing tonight. So why don't we go ahead, Pastor Josh, if you would take a few minutes to introduce yourself and your ministry, and then we'll go to Pastor Scott and dive into tonight's conversation. All right. Well, uh, I am uh, serving a couple of different roles. One, uh, I'm the pastor of member care and counseling at a church here in the upstate. Uh, That is one of my primary functions, but I also serve as the executive director to a ministry called the Biblical Counseling Alliance. And uh, one of the things that we do is try to provide resources and sharpening tools through webinars that really just help, you know, lay counselors, individuals within the church that are just trying to become more proficient in one another care and really save some time for people as they think about the kind of time it takes to care for people uh, when it comes to homework assignments and devotionals and diagrams. And so we really try to put together some things online through the Alliance that can save, uh, save some time in the discipleship counseling process so that, you know, as much time that we save in that and it saves people, they can pour that into the other to to lives of more people. And so we really have tried to work hard at just developing that over the last four years when it started. And so it's a really a huge privilege to watch it grow and just to be a help to as many people Uh, as we can be, churches of various sizes, just trying to get exposure and understand how to care for each other. And it's kind of, it's a really big blessing as you get opportunities just to see the Spirit of God, just how He's moving all across the United States through connections with people, and just to see the, the level of involvement of the Spirit of God on so many levels in people's lives and churches. So it's a, it's a huge privilege to be able to, to give some of that out. 
I've enjoyed being a member of the Biblical Counseling Alliance, I think for probably, I don't know, maybe six or seven months now, um, monthly webinars for the members. And even recently, you guys have been broadcasting those webinars uh, to Facebook, just like we are here, for the benefit of people getting either personally counseled, just receiving information because of their, their having a struggle of their own, or to help other people as they are walking through difficulties in this season. All right, so Pastor Scott, would you take a few minutes to introduce yourself and your ministry? Yeah, uh, Josh, that's, that's that's really exciting, man. It's, it's so cool to hear. I, I actually haven't been familiar with the the Little Counseling Alliance, but now I am, and man, what a like, what an incredible tool! Because I think, I mean, that, that's like that that is so much. I think of what so many of us and so many counselors in the church, right, desperately need is mm. just tools to help make it practical, mm. right? Tools to help free them up to be with people right, and connecting with people. So that's, that's, that's really exciting. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a pastor in Los Angeles uh, on the West side of Los Angeles, been here for uh, 15 years. First as a church planter and, and, and still with the, that same church at Cornerstone church of West LA and uh, l- love it here. Love it in Los Angeles. Love really just the people here. I mean, it's not, always a particularly easy place to to minister and care for people but i don't know anywhere that is right it's filled with in a fallen world with fallen people but yeah love here in la and and have really dug deep into biblical counseling biblical discipleship right after we planted the church because i just wanted to not only grow in how to care for others myself but i wanted to figure out ways to to equip the body and to equip the people in our local church to care for one another, to uh, minister to one another, to be the hands and feet really of Jesus in one another's lives, particularly when they're hurting or they're struggling with sin. And so a, a lot of the equipping we've done in our local church is what I, Christine uh, uh, alluded to, the, the book that I just published, Loving Messy People. I originally wanted to title it Lo- Messy People Loving Messy People, but the, the publisher said that was too long. But that's really the reality, right? I mean, the reality is that we're just like the church is just filled with a bunch of really of messy, struggling people uh, called to be the, the the hands and feet of Jesus in one another's lives. It's that, and and really just my ministry in the broader church has really just been focused on that explicitly, along with a lot of other great organizations like IBCD, just trying to come alongside those in the church to help train them with the tools to care for one another. And, and actually even, even more than that, just with the confidence mm-hmm. to care for one another with, with the, the recognition that God actually has called them. And if, if you've been given scripture, uh, if you know the gospel, then you have something to offer those around you who are helping or who, who are in need of help, who are hurting, who are struggling with sin and, and God has placed you in their lives for a reason. And so that, that to me has just become a, a passion of, of mine in the, the church and, and really primarily in our local church uh, to start with as we just continue to try to train up both future pastors and future counselors and just our church body as a whole to, to care for and love for love one another, um, which in particularly in a, in a time like this is exactly what God's designed the church to be um, in a way that centralized or not, we're all there connected with one another able to walk through the difficulties and the struggles and the unknown, you know, with, with one another. Mm. 
Yeah, I think your book does a really wonderful job of just painting an overall picture of God's plan. We've talked about it before on the Hope and Help podcast. If you have not listened to that episode, you can click the link in the video comments. And I did link to the previous appearance that Scott had when we did talk about his book, Loving Messy People. But just the overall design for that for God's care that as we act as conduits of his comfort to other people, that his gospel is spread, that people are ministered to. And I love Scott. I don't have it verbatim memorized, but you had a comment in your book that said something like, you know, when someone is suffering, it's not up to them to find comfort on their own, that we need to be answering the call to come alongside people and comfort them, help them in their struggles, whether it's a sin or suffering. And so I just, I love that, that, you know, all of us here on this call tonight are just really passionate about advocating for that in the context of the local church. Pastor Josh, I would love to ask you if you might be willing to share just in your own personal practice of counseling and what you have seen as you are training up leaders in the local church to counsel others, what are some of the challenges that you have faced over the last couple months because of COVID-19 and the social distancing requirements? How have you had to pivot in order to still be able to walk alongside people in the midst of, you know, you're in the middle of counseling cases and now all of a sudden the snow globe is shaken. How, how have you had to pivot in your practice? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm really thankful that in some sense, it, it, was, it was quite amazing the way that God just kind of prepared, at least for me to kind of work through some venues with doing various webinars through the Alliance that gave me a lot of familiarity with um, hosting events like that. What I found fascinating for just the way God used some of those things in my own personal life in the counseling ministry in the church was we were able to transition and I was familiar enough with the technology to pivot to something like that and still continue to care for people. One week we were uh, in person and the, the next moment everything's online. And so I'm really thankful for that, and that, uh, you know, I've, I've had that opportunity, but it, it also, you know, it presents challenges too. There's not, uh, you know, certainly in an ideal sense, being able to be with people, see uh, various nonverbal you know, expressions more clearly, it creates different challenges as well, bad internet connections and, <laughs> uh, you know, whether you hear somebody correctly it just reminds me so often in a time period like this, the sensitivity that we have to have in transition to everyone's lives and everyone's circumstances being different, just so that we're, we're able to demonstrate compassion when things aren't the most ideal that we would like them to be, but then to actually bring it back around and say, but you know, man, we're thankful that God has allowed the technology he has for us here to be able to continue do, doing stuff like this. So really thankful for it too. What about you, Pastor Scott? How have you seen one another care, maybe even interrupted? I mean, I'm thinking just in terms of people's, like Pastor Josh said, about there's kids at home, there's internet connectivity. Depending on where your church is, you may be in a, a spot where a lot of your members, maybe they don't have internet access. Maybe they don't have fancy computers to even have that be an option. I don't know if that is your specific congregation, but I'm just thinking of how many hurdles that this type of situation has placed up. And I'm just wondering, you know, in what ways have you found, you know, avenues to try to adapt to some of those challenges? Yeah, you know, it's been challenging in some ways that are kind of obvious and then challenging in some other ways that have been really subtle and maybe surprising. I think there have been the, the, the obvious challenges of just not being 
near one another of having to transition to screen time too. I mean, I think some people have preferred to meet this way. Some people have preferred to meet over the phone, things like that. And that and that's been brought with it its own real challenge. I think actually one of the biggest challenges brought is an increased isolation. I think mean, people who people who are naturally going to go quiet went even quieter. Mm. Right? Like it's you're you're not even especially in a local church context, like you're you're losing the ability to even just run into each other on a Sunday morning to, you know, run into each other at the store to stop by and like check in. And so I think there's been this, this heightened need for pursuit for, mm-hmm. for active intentionality. Like it, it's required more intentional. And I think it's required more intentionality when a lot of us are feeling less efficient than ever, right? More, uh, more weighed down uh, than ever. And so, so I think there's, there, there've been those that I think have been overcome really in a lot of ways, just by dependence on God's grace, mm. by remembering that I'm not every person's savior, right? Thankfully, they have another savior who is omnipresent, right? Who isn't limited by technology. And so trying to do what I can to be that connection, but leaning even leaning even further into that abiding in him and that, and that dependence on him. And we, we could talk more about that. But I also think that it's been challenging in a lot of subtle ways that maybe I didn't expect as well. I think that there's a part of me that maybe even early on thought, well, hey, as long as we can do this, like as long as we can, as long as I can see your face, like, look, we've got verbal cues, we've got nonverbal cues, we've got like, we can see each other, we can connect, we can talk, we can communicate. Like as long as the Wi-Fi holds out, this is going to work. <laughs> um, but I think that I really underappreciated, particularly early on, the power of embodied presence. Right, God has created us as embodied souls, and there is an experience. There's there, there's not just an experience, but there's a comfort. There is a counsel. There is a there is love that you can offer in person that just can't be fully approximated any other way. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that that and and I, I'm glad that we get some of the substitutes, right? To like kind of get us along in the meantime. I, I'm super thankful for that. I'm super thankful for the the technology that allows us to maybe even do that easier than ever before in any other generation. But I, I think one of the challenges is the recognition that it's even for all the technology in the world, even if we had like three dimensional holograms that we could sit and talk <laughs> with each other, it's not the same. God's created us as communal beings, right? To be in community, in relationship, in physical relationship with one another as image bearers of his. And that's not even something I like, I bristle against or I, you know, fight against. That's why we have to, I'm, I'm just saying like, that's a, that's a law that are, has been felt in our council, in our discipleship. And I think that's a, that's also a loss that causes all sorts of other dynamics that we're are having to counsel and are going to have to counsel through it's it's it's, a, it's I guess it's an experience of suffering that maybe I think is easy to downplay or think that you know hey as long as we can talk we can approximate it like this is you know it's good enough but I think that it, it's another thing that thankfully the Lord's going to redeem and he's going to work through and he's going to use but that's that's a challenge that uh yeah in a lot of ways it can be overcome by patience and prayer but can't just be overcome yeah. You know, you can't, you can't just do something to make it go away. I always think it's fascinating too, Scott, as you mention it, because I think in, in many respects, it's very easy for, for challenges and issues in the heart to remain dormant. And so when God ordains and sovereignly provides 
circumstances that draw out various elements for people that, are, that we were unaware of before. These actually have become sovereign instruments in many individuals' lives that have actually fleshed out so that they could become more aware of things that God really wanted them to be aware of. And so it, it is through the circumstances, I think, that you know, God is providing this and he's using it on such a multiplicity of levels in people's lives. Yeah, I mean, isn't that amazing, right? That, like, that's the promise of Scripture, right? That's the, that's the promise of Romans 5, right? That's the promise of 1 Peter 4, right? that, that God's going to use these, these things, these, these situations, these moments in our life. And, and that's not to say that, you know, oh, he's so excited that we're facing hardships so that he can use it. But it's one of the ways that he promises to redeem it. And as he draws these things out, as they come to the surface, and as we, they not only come to the surface, but then we have the opportunity to speak truth into them, to, to deal with them, to wrestle with them. That's one of the profound ways that, and if, if not one of the ultimately profound ways that God not only promises to redeem situations like this, but now we get to see the fulfillment of his promise, right? Which it makes me think of, um, of Romans 5. Right, right, where he talks about how you know, suffering, we, we can rejoice because suffering produces character, character, or suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. But the reason it produces hope is because we see it producing all those other things, right? When we see God redeeming situations like that, it just, I know, I know for me, it reminds me, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, he's real, right? Oh yeah, he's, he's actually working. And this situation that is so difficult for so many reasons, and not just isolation wise, I mean, financially and mm. and health wise and i mean just devastating for I, I know for even a number of people in our church you get to see hope because in as he uses it as he redeems it it reminds us that he's keeping each one of those is him keeping his promise to do what he does which is redeem mm -hmm. um, and not just to, not just redeem us from our sin but redeem us to redeem the nature of this, this this fallen world i appreciate scott that you said something as though like this is a time where we're practicing that we need to be in pursuit of other people. And I think because of we're on the other side of computer screens or there's all these barriers to physical connectivity, like you said, those who are already tempted to isolate or withdraw because for one reason or another, they're experiencing a season of sorrow, grief, depression, some sort of overwhelming burden or recovering from some kind of tr trauma, and they just turn inward. It's almost like this situation serves to exasperate that type of inclination. And it's so true. You know, we see on social media, if you're having trouble, people will post in all good intentions. If you're having trouble, reach out, reach out. And I know from personal experience, I don't know about you guys, but reaching out is like the last thing I want to do when I am just down. And it's a by the grace of God, by the work of the Holy Spirit that we even fight to reach out, you know, even against our own fleshly desire to just hide in our bedrooms for a week and not see anyone. And so it is definitely a challenge and an opportunity, I think, at the same time for people to recognize, look, if you aren't that person who is withdrawing, then maybe you are called to be that person who is going and pursuing. Um, and that's really the heart of this conversation today is to how can we go about doing that and helping people, like I, like Scott said, you know, people when they are in need of comfort, like we need to bring it to them. It's not up to them to find it on their own. I wonder if we could spend a few minutes to talk about, we don't have a crystal ball, but we know that we are seeing on social media and in news reports increased burden on the uh, healthcare system 
system, the mental health care system, people trying to get therapy because they're dealing with increased anxiety, increased pressure, and they're just trying to get help. They're just desperate for help. I, I know people who are in that situation and I know how painful it can be to be turned away uh, because there are long waiting lists. Of course, the church has a unique opportunity to rise up and stand in that gap to reach people with the hope and help of the gospel. I wonder if we might think a few minutes how you guys are both pastors. So you have, you know, your pulse, your thumb or your finger on the pulse of the congregation. What do you see as being some of the long-term ramifications for the last two and a half, almost three months now of just total shakeup in our worlds. What are some things that we might see start to unravel in the next 12 months in terms of the effects? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it can go both directions, you know, when I think about it, you know, for like Scott said earlier, the embodiment of physical presence, uh, I hope for many people in local congregations as, as they've been isolated just from different people that they've gained a larger appreciation for, you know, God putting us together as image bearers and desiring us to have that kind of relationship. So from a long-term standpoint, it increases that desire for body life and connectivity. I'm also aware of the fact that living in a very social media culture where it's easy to think you're connected, but you're really not connected, with people, for many, it can actually enhance in the other direction saying, you know, hey, you know what, I can do this actually on my own. And this isolation thing isn't so bad. And they can get further entrenched in thinking that they have real life relationships when really it's just, uh, it's really fictitious and what's really going on. So I think long term, you know, we want to be watching, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward, obviously, to the positive elements of it. But I'm also looking just to try to be mindful for some people who struggle in different ways too, that it might cause a further isolation. You know, I, I came across this text I was, I was thinking in Proverbs 18, and one of the things it says is, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out mm -hmm. against all sound judgment. And I think there is a sense in which in a long term, some people really like it by themselves because it's like they're the king of their castle and all their ideas sound fantastic when they're all by themselves. They'll miss an element of that body unity and sharpening as iron sharpens iron. So on both aspects, I think it can be positive, but you know, I'm looking for ways in which that does tend to draw some people to isolation, and especially those who are suffering, who are maybe be a little bit more susceptible to just staying at home for a while. That's so insightful, Josh, and I think that there's in so many different ways and it's going to be just that expected difficulty of the isolation that's felt in all sorts of different ways right in, in increased loneliness and in, in the maybe struggles with sin even emotional struggles that come out of that it's going to be a, you know, kind of a long tail of anxiety mm. right a long tail of anxiousness and, and all sorts of different forms of, of depression right coming all and, and almost in some ways for those who this experience has been very traumatic maybe you know they're not safer at home, right? There's going to be the the impacts of that trauma going forward. And not only that, I think there's going to be a significant emotional letdown when moving forward from this place doesn't make all of our problems disappear. I mean, I know like, even just in my heart, like I know I feel a lot of the times like, okay, can we just like get through this? Can we just like open things up? Can I just like get back to the beach? Can I just like go on a hike? 
can I, can we just like gather together as the church because then we'll get back to normal and like all these problems I'm struggling with will disappear. We know from life it do, it doesn't work like that, right? Like that's a that's a temptation. That's a that's a mirage. Like I'm a, I'm gonna carry my heart into that moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just because this situation is gone doesn't mean the world's gonna become unfallen. Even that false hope of the promise of the other side of this is going to be its own discouragement. But I, and I don't mean that to be like discouraging or hopeless because I, I think that and it is what we're talking about. I think it's exactly what you're talking about, Josh. Like the local church is uniquely positioned mm-hmm. to be the delivery mechanism of hope to all of those struggles. Mm-hmm. I think that there is not a mental health system. There's not a healthcare system in the world that has the capacity to help people through that. I don't think that there's a economic stimulus package that can be imagined that will give hope in the midst of that. I, I don't think that there's a system of thinking or of following that can get people through that. But what can meet people in that and in the midst of this and beyond it with hope, right, is Jesus Christ, right, is the hope of the good news of Jesus and the local church that consists of the priesthood of all believers, right, that consists of every single member of the church being equipped with the word of God, being equipped with the gospel, being equipped with that hope, and then called to deliver that hope to one another, called to deliver that hope to to those around them in the world, like is uniquely situated to provide hope to the the broader world in, in a way that no other system can. And what's, and what's, I mean, what's amazing about that, right. Is that I say that and people are like, ah, oh, but the local church is so like divided and it's so discouraging in some ways. And all these, there's all these different churches and like all these different things going on. But what's amazing about that is I think, yeah, the, the local church is just made up of like a bunch of fallen people. And so it's not perfect. It's not that the hope is in the local church, but it's in the message that the local church possesses. And so God's created this like ragtag group of all of us to deliver the message of his savior and his son that actually can give hope. I think the other thing too, that just comes to my mind is, as we're discussing it is part of the, the lag time that sometimes happens that we're going to see challenges in people's lives as they continue to transition to whatever they describe as normal before is that in the midst of it, when they're placed in circumstances where all of a sudden other expectations that they really desired are being forced to come out, sometimes we often have delayed responses. We don't even realize or we're not aware how badly we really wanted something. Uh, and now all of a sudden when you put a family together or husbands and wives together in close proximity, it starts to flesh out various things and you don't realize the expectations that you really long for. And so it's going to be a lot of selflessness that we have to continue to help each other think about because it's hard. Josh, did, did, did my wife tell you to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I like, I see, cause I see that in so many people and I see that in myself. Like that's, you're just so right. That like this brings out these expectations. I, like I didn't even know I had. Mm-hmm. And what God wants to do in that. And, and it does, it exposes even in, in me the ways that I'm like, oh man, I, I did kind of want that more than I wanted to be like Jesus. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think that's a work he's doing in our hearts. And then as we get to share that with others, it, it multiplies in that, yeah, in that hope. Well, I think it's definitely safe to say that suffering leads to sanctification. I mean, that's the design, <laughs> right? And so we're feeling the the pain of that process right now, but I think also there's the hope of the fruit later on. 
So I'd like for us to spend a few minutes just to talk about what makes biblical counseling unique. Why do we have this unique thing to offer people that's not just talk therapy? It's not just behavior modification. It's not just trauma processing, but it actually gets at something deeper. So Pastor Josh, would you share just on a real simple level, what makes what we're talking about unique, especially in times like these? Maybe I'll just get us started and and Scott can fill in all the rest of the good stuff. But, you know, my mind just goes to one of the differences that I think that we're trying to target in just biblical care for people is just the understanding that, you know, image bearers of God, both as physical and spiritual people, are going to face different levels of suffering on different fronts. And it's not as easy as just figuring out some behavioristic mechanism for them to change. It's so much bigger than that. And the care that we provide people and that, that I think God really displays, uh, puts on display in, in the gospel and the life of Jesus, but in this, the way he interacts with people, is that he's so desirous for us to love him with all of our heart that he goes through great lengths to care for the totality of the person, both physically and spiritually. In my mind, it just reminds me you know, of this, uh, this Proverbs 20, verse 5, where it says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man or woman of understanding will draw it out. And that's one of the things that really does, I think, make biblical counseling unique. They're trying to target the heart of the individual, the motives from which they do what they do, and they're trying to help them on a journey with them become more aware and discover what God wants for them. And that's a huge privilege in counseling. It's not just a, I'm the professional and you're the one who needs help. There's two people there who are image bearers of God, who are in need of change, who are in need of growth. And you get to discover that together. And I I don't know about you, Scott, but every time I get helping people, I realize how much work needs to be done in my own life as well. And so it's just, it's a constant focus on my own heart. And I think that's what really makes it different than the worldly talk therapy that we can just solve it simplistically. We're complex people. That's how God designed us. So I think that's really the core of it for me. Man, I, I think that, that's dead on. I mean, that's so good, Josh, because I think what that gives us is a robust picture of the complex ways God is working in us, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just simple. It's not just like, here, take a Bible verse and you're going to feel better, right? It's a complex goal and it's a complex work God is doing in us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our suffering. What's unique about biblical soul care is that it sees both our sin and our suffering as redemptive. The fact that God is going to redeem it gives us the courage Mm -hmm. to be honest about it. Mm -hmm. The courage to say, yeah, like something's not right inside of me. And I I can be honest about it because I know God's grace is sufficient and he's doing a work of him. And it it allows me to be honest about, yeah, this situation I'm in is that hard. Mm -hmm. It is that difficult. It is that painful. I I don't have to pretend it's not. I don't have to grin and bear it. Like I can can be honest about it because I also know that that God's powerful enough Mm -hmm. to redeem it. And so in that way, I think what, it, what makes it unique, like you said, Josh, is ultimately the goal and the motivation of the gospel. What's motivating us to change isn't that we just want to feel better or we just want to act different or we just want to do something different, but, but God is so rich. He's so glorious. His grace is so overwhelming. It transforms us from the inside out and it inspires our worship of him. 
our desire to, to honor him. And, and, and therefore, I mean, kind of like we've been talking about all along, right? The ultimate goal then is not that I would just feel a little better. Mm-hmm. The ultimate goal isn't that I'd just survive this really hard situation. The goal is that I'd be transformed and that God is going to make me more and more and more into the image of Christ in all of these situations. That is something huge that God is doing. And, and we get to be the imperfect vessels. Yeah. That I mean, I, I often, I mean, I think you're exactly right, Josh. Not only when I'm meeting and speaking truth into a friend's life, not only is God working on me. I mean, it's fascinating you mentioned that. I just got off the video chat with a friend just a half an hour ago. And that's exactly what was happening, right? Like I'm speaking truth to him and the Lord's like working in my and he's speaking truth to me. And not only is he working on my heart through it, like through this situation, but he's also working in ways beyond what I could ever do in my words. I mean, I constantly feel like whenever I'm talking with somebody, sharing truths of the gospel, sharing encouragement and hope, I, I just have a front row seat to watching the spirit of God transform someone in ways that I couldn't ever do. Like my, my words could, could never do that, but the spirit of God is active and, and at work. And, that, and that's what is, it is such a privilege to get to walk with people through that. To land your question, Christine, what's unique about biblical soul care is we have the spirit of God, the power of the God who created the universe at work in what we're doing. So I, I am not, I'm not only dependent on my words or my tricks or my interventions that I've developed or that I've learned. Like I get to speak the truth and then allow the, the very spirit of God to work in people's hearts and do things that the person themselves couldn't ever conjure up on their own and that I surely couldn't conjure as a as a counselor as a disciple or even as a as a friend love the fact that when you describe that it's just it's the spirit of god working through his word and when when we remember as we're caring for people that one we're not in this alone in conflicting situations i'm always just fascinated as to the specificity when we go through conflicting components where jesus said and really in that matthew 18 and i know it's often a, a church disciplinary text But the reality is the promise that he gives that where two or three are gathered together, I am in the midst. And that is in the midst of conflicting circumstances of suffering. And so I think the reminder that that's not necessarily a text to say that's where the church is, more primarily than to say it's a place that God is with us when two people who are working things out for various reasons, God's in the midst of that with a very sufficient word. I've been challenging people just to say, you know what? Things may return back to normal, but the one thing God doesn't expect is you to return as the same normal person you were at the beginning. And so be growing into something different. So when normal again happens, you're not the normal person you once were. It's almost a call to not waste your suffering, right? Cooperate with the Holy Spirit in that sanctification process. I know that Scott, your book talks a lot about, again, going back to being conduits of comfort. So not wasting our suffering would then look like knowing that at some point, the Lord wants to use this then for a redemptive purpose in someone else's life, that I may share the comforts that I have received from the Lord and minister to someone who is in that spot that I used to be in and say that there is hope. There is another side to this coin. And so I'd love for us to spend a few minutes to talk about some of the practical things. You know, if there's someone listening to this conversation, they're like, yeah, you know, I really am on board with the idea of biblical counseling or soul care in the local church, but, you know, I don't really know if it's worth an investment of our church's time or treasure. And I don't, you know, they're still kind of not really sure what is it even going to take 
to even get started. Even that, I think, idea, especially with churches trying to navigate all the other things that they have to worry about right now in terms of sanitation and distancing and all the regulations now to throw on. Yes, it is an opportune time to now get equipped for one another care, but there's so much going on. So maybe we can offer listeners some practical suggestions for getting started. What is this, what is a wise starting point? And then how could they maybe think about possibly growing that if the interest is there? Yeah, people ask this question, okay, yeah, like, where do I start? I think that starts, number one, with just spending time with people, right? Even, even in whatever way you can, whether it's virtually, whether it's in a safe, social distanced way. I think if you spend time online or on social media or thinking through like church structure and programs, planning and stuff like that, that's where you're going to see the greatest needs. But when you spend time with people, you're going to realize where the deepest and most real needs Mm -hmm. are. And so that impetus to like, okay, we've got to figure out what to do. Like I've got to learn how to grow is going to naturally come from that. I think all of us feel that when we see people and and we hurt with them. And we want to know, how do I help that? And then that's the question comes up, like, how do I help? And the second thing I would say, just on a really, really basic, simple level, like if you spend time with people and spend time in God's word. If you want to help people, spending time in God's word is the most significant thing you can do because you are meditating on both what God is teaching you and what he's implanting in your soul. And he's preparing that, not just in a selfish way, not just for you. He, he's preparing to, to use that in the lives of those around you as well. I may have mentioned this in the, the podcast before, but like one of, the, one of the questions I get a lot you know, from people, even people in our church, just like, okay, what's your like go-to passage for X? Or like, what are the passages you use the most in counseling, right? Because they, like, they want a script. But the reality is, I think the most common passages I use in scripture are whatever I've been reading recently. <laughs> and I used to think that was cheating. Like I used to think that was like, oh man, like I'm, I'm just staying one step ahead. I'm sorry. But then I realized like, no, God actually, he, in his beautiful sovereignty, he actually loves orchestrating my time with him in the morning and pre- giving me something in the morning to me that he knows in the afternoon, somebody else is going to need. You could dive into all the training in the world, but it's not going to do you near as much good as being in God's word relating to God, speaking to God and hearing from him regularly in his word. I think that prepares you more than anything. Then from those kind of fundamental places, there are all sorts of different training opportunities. And and, I mean, this is where we do live in a time in the history of the church that is incredibly blessed with resources for all sorts of the complex issues that people are facing, whether it's through the trainings that IBCD does, organizations like uh, ACBC, the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and their trainings, the Biblical Counseling Alliance, right, and and Josh. One of the places to start there is maybe starting with those organizations, or I would also encourage you, before you, like, ask, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, like, before you come and, like, ask me what you need to turn to or where you should turn to, before you, like, go to some organization and say, okay, what do I need to be trained, like, ask your pastor. Like your pastor, I I would love to, instead of you saying, uh, there's more problems, pastor, go deal with it. (laughs) Right. For you to say, Hey, I see hurting people. How can I get equipped to help them? How can I step in? And even just in a small way, be God's hand in his hands and his feet in in a practical way. I, I know almost any pastor would, would love to guide you, maybe using some of these same resources and maybe even using some of the ones that, that he's, he's found most helpful. 
Yeah, it's such a great, you know, just encapsulation of just some of the initial things that an individual can do as their heart is drawn to just care for people. And it's such a special thing to watch, I think, during this time, as different individuals in the church, even as you're connecting with them online, you're seeing a growing sensitivity to want to care for people. So I would certainly echo what Scott said in, in utilizing all these organizations I'll put this, uh, I'll maybe go on the other spectrum too as well. If perhaps you're a church leader and you're part of a pastoral team and you're asking yourself right now, okay, wow, this has really brought out some things that is really challenging us as to how effectively we're doing one another care. These are great opportunities for evaluations on your team to say, how can we do this better? You know, how can we prepare for what we know is going to come when we begin to start interacting and then even utilizing some of those resources like IBCD and ACBC in a, in a pastoral team setting and listening to something on isolation or loneliness or, you know, a, a topic on anxiety or something like that where you can begin to start dialoguing as a team and then really even equipping the team even more effectively to dispense that through small group and all of those avenues. So, you know, on the personal side, if that's where you're at, I also imagine there's a bunch of, from a pastoral sense, some of them are maybe awakening to the sense that, wow, I, I, there's, a, there's a little bit more depth that we have to be in pursuit of in one another care. Really start with that with your team and begin to start evaluating. Uh, I think that'd be a great place to start and then tap into some of those resources. Really great points there. I would just highlight again, if you are interested, Scott has got a great book, Loving Messy People, The Messy Art of Helping One Another Become More Like Jesus. I think I've got that memorized there. Did I get it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you did. I almost have all my guest book titles memorized because I have to type them so much for the work that I do. But in any case, really great resource that walks people through exactly what we're talking about. Even if you don't pursue a more formal counseling tr uh, training track, just coming alongside people in your local church. How can you do that effectively empowered by the Holy Spirit, you know, minister to people who are hurting or suffering, struggling with some sin, whatever it might be that you come across. So great resource there. Pastor Josh has a wide variety of resources available on his Biblical Counseling Alliance website. There's a membership there. And then we've also mentioned the different paid and free IBCD resources. The resource library at IBCD is astonishing. It is so vast and so thorough. A lot of different topics. I don't want to say all the topics because you can't have all the topics maybe, but a lot of really important topics. Um, you may think that how does the gospel even speak to that type of an issue? And I would be surprised if it's not there on the IVCD resource library. So definitely be sure to check that out. And I think we want to probably close with just, I mean, this conversation, I'm looking at the time, it's flown by. I know that we could solidly be here for another hour or two and not even break a sweat. So, so I'm kind of bummed to have to wrap it up, but it is what it is. And so maybe we can leave with just some parting encouragements for the listeners. And maybe we can have Pastor Josh, maybe if you would address encouragements to those who are actively involved in counseling and soul care. Um, and then Pastor Scott, maybe if you would address the pastors, elders, church leadership team who wants to really pursue. So Josh, would you have some encouragements for the counselors who are in the trenches right now and trying to do their best and just giving them a little bit of encouragement? Absolutely. 
I just think it's, it's, it's so important to keep in front of us the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Spirit. The, the Proverbs are so explicit about a, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, sometimes we, we want to see that in the lives of people that we're caring. We want to see that change. And, you know, we, we're, we're trying all, often to give hope, but also to remember the fact that when you're caring for people, uh, you have that same hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, it is a special privilege just to remember that this first Peter one verse three, that it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is that very component that, that I hope compels the counselor to, to persevere along with the people that they're caring for. And, and then, do the very thing that that Peter says in the latter verses, help people prepare their minds for action and to be sober-minded in their judgment. And as you walk through and journey through that with them, there is just a unique blessing that you're going to experience in connectedness with that individual, but the glory that you both get to see together that only the Spirit of God can produce. And you'll both be able to celebrate that. So keep your mind focused on the hope of that gospel change and uh, I think, you know, it'll help you persevere and just be mindful of how much God cares for that person you're caring for. Getting to speak to pastors is just such a, a privilege and an honor. And I just want to, I want you to know as a pastor, as a fellow pastor, that we're, we're in this together. And no matter how great or struggling you're feeling, like you're doing this now, like God's grace is sufficient and he is working through you he wants to use your incredibly imperfect efforts to honor himself and to honor the church and so first of all i would just say remember his grace not just for your people but for you because this is a it's a hard time it's a hard time to know how to do it well and then with it just as an as an exhortation just a couple of things come to mind and really really just the first is if i already give one exhortation to pastors in soul care and the caring for others. The first one really would be, Pastor, love your wife. This is an opportunity to love and care for your wife. If you're married, it's easy to get distracted, I think, with all the different things going on out there, all the responsibilities, all the kind of stay in crisis mode for a long time. And then for that to wear things at home. And I think personal ministry, interpersonal ministry, uh, soul care ministry starts with the one another that the Lord's given to you, the one, the one that you are one with that the Lord's given to you if you're married. And secondly, whether you're married or not, I just encourage you to love your people. Instead of like trying to figure out, you know, I, I, that, that, I know there's a lot of logistics going on, a lot of things you got to figure out, but like just trying to focus on the call to like, okay, what does it look like to love my people right now? Whether that starts with your kids or your uh, neighbors or your roommates or, or the people of your church, the people the Lord has, has entrusted to you. And then lastly, just I think this is a really unique opportunity to not just strive to love and care for our people, but to with everything kind of like thrown up in the air, to ask the question, as we move forward, what should the shape of ministry look like? And how can we build ministry and shape ministry, even shape our philosophy of ministry in a way that actually facilitates this kind of one another ministry as pastors to our people and as our people to one another that doesn't just run back into just the busyness of ministry. And the, I mean, if I wanted to, to leave you with a, a, a book recommendation, actually the book recommendation, even for this season would be the, the trellis and the vine 
Um, if you, pastors, if you haven't read The Trellis and the Vine, this would be a great opportunity to do it, actually. I was actually just, I, I think we're going to go through it with our staff. We went through it a number of years ago. I think we're going to go through it with our staff. In the book, actually, there's a thought experiment where they say, what if a pandemic happened and you weren't able to meet physically? Like, they, they, like they use that as a, uh, this is written, you know, a decade ago, at least, and written as like a, a thought experiment. But because they're trying to help us shape the way we do church in a way that actually helps facilitate and allows for one another care and one another ministry. And I think oftentimes, sometimes the way we do church is one of the things that gets in the way of us actually being able to be the church with one another. And, and I think God has provided, just like he's provided an opportunity to, to look at our hearts, to take push pause and kind of look at our hearts and what's going on there. I think he's provided a, a huge opportunity to look at why we do what we do as we begin to think through how to even structure things going forward. So yeah, those are just some of the thoughts that I'd want to leave pastors with. And, and again, encourage you, if you are struggling to do any of that, remember again that God's grace is sufficient, that he loves you and he is faithful to you. And he's going to work through you and he's going to work in your church in spite of you. He's going to work in my church in, in spite of me, not because we're such so amazing, but because he is so amazing and he loves using messy people like us too. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me tonight for this conversation. Super important. And I really just pray for the fruit that will come from this season in churches all across the world who really feel that stirring in their local church congregations to answer the call to rise up and care for their congregation in ways that they haven't perhaps before. And so I'm really just looking forward to, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of struggling and suffering on the horizon, but I think there is going to be a lot of really great testimonies. A lot of people who are right now going to be in 12 months, those people on the platform sharing God's comfort, how God met them in their deepest, darkest places and shared the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to get more information about the Biblical Counseling Alliance and about Pastor Scott's ministry, you can click in the show notes and that those links will be available to you to get connected with them. Again, just a reminder to be sure to check out IBCD's free audio resource library. Also, if you're not aware, for a very affordable price, you can actually become a video subscriber and get access to all of their premium training videos. Honestly, as a mom, I listened to these audios while I was pushing my kids on the swing in the playground. I had one earbud in and the other one out in case there was like, you know, murderous screaming or something, an emergency I needed to tend to. I didn't want to be totally oblivious to what was going on. But at the same time, I was equipping myself for one another care and you can do the same. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I hope this was encouraging and I look forward to seeing you all again very soon on our next Hope and Help Live broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.